Hello, Archies and Anands. Welcome to yet another episode of the NSNA podcast, where we bring insights from experts and specialists so that you can not only learn, but also put these insights to immediate use. Our topic for this week is mental health with a specific focus on depression. What is depression? What types of depression are there? What types of treatment are available for depression? What should you do if you suspect a friend or a loved one is suffering from depression? Do diet, exercise and meditation help with depression? Are there specific stressors that first generation immigrants, like most of our listeners, face as it relates to their mental health? To help address all these questions and much more, our special guest for this episode is Dr. Ram Lakshmanan, a psychiatrist with over 30 years of experience. Dr. Lakshmanan completed his medicine in India and then spent a short two-year stint in the UK. Then he moved to the United States where he completed his psychiatry residency in Chicago. He started private practice in psychiatry in Beaumont, Texas in 1990 and continues to practice in the same location for now over 28 years. Dr. Lakshmanan is both certified in general psychiatry and addiction psychiatry by the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. He practices outpatient psychiatry, mainly treating mood disorders, depression, anxiety, bipolar, ADHD, addiction, and alcohol abuse disorders. Dr. Lakshmanan is a fellow of the American Psychiatric Association. He lives in Beaumont with his wife, Sushila, and has two grown children. Dr. Lakshmanan, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. So first, to kick things off, um, what is mental illness and what is depression? What can you tell us about it? What is a 101? Mental illness in general is uh, any uh, illness related to the brain and the nervous system. And depression in particular is more uh, about uh, a person's uh, mood. It's a mood disorder. And uh, when a a person uh, feels depressed and sad and... uh, uh, down uh, on a daily basis uh, for more than two weeks, then we diagnose them with uh, depressive disorder. And uh, uh, then they should be treated accordingly. They should be evaluated uh, to see the degree of uh, uh, depression that they have or they're undergoing. And depending on the degree, uh, we need to uh, uh, provide them the right treatment. Uh, if it's mild depression, maybe uh, counseling and social support may be adequate. But if it's uh, moderate or uh, severe depression, then they need uh, medications and uh, uh, counseling uh, or just medications only. The one thing you mentioned that was interesting there was you mentioned about uh, two weeks, but um, typically, you know, uh, almost all of us, right? We have, you know, difficult things happen in our life. Um, Everyone is sad from time to time. So how do we know that somebody is just sad versus uh, they're really having some type of uh, clinical depression? Yeah, that is important, uh, important, very important question. Uh, I would uh, answer that question by saying that uh, people do have a bad day uh, every now and then. Uh, they may have, uh, they may have had a bad day uh, in their office or at their workplace, and um, uh, they may come, uh, they may become depressed and upset. And if they get over it within a, a day or two or a few days, uh, it is not uh, clinical depression 
and it is not it will not be diagnosed as a depressive disorder we we diagnose depressive disorder or clinical depression only if the person has only if the person feels sad or depressed or empty or hopeless most of the day nearly every day consecutively for 14 days for 2 weeks okay that's one thing now or they need not be feeling depressed or sad even if they just lose interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities most most of the day every day when i say lost interest means if someone always enjoyed doing gardening or someone always enjoyed fishing or someone always enjoyed watching movies or going out with friends or shopping and they start losing interest in doing these activities that they previously that they previously did and enjoyed and got pleasure but now they don't want to do it they don't have desire to do it and even if they force themselves to do these activities like they force themselves to go to movie or uh, go with uh, friends or uh, do go for gardening or hiking or uh, whatever they enjoy, used to enjoy doing they don't get the pleasure and joy like they used to when they did the same activity before so so these two these two are more important uh, the patient patient should feel depressed or sad or lose interest in things and it should be a significant change from how they felt before so dr lakshmanan how do you diagnose depression you know when a person feels sad or depressed or, or loses interest in things it should significantly interfere with their day to day activities so this person because of their depression they mean they should not be able to function that's very important if they're able to function then we don't diagnose them with depression dr lakshmanan so how common is depression in the us how widely prevalent is it in your experience depression today this year 5 to 10% of people would develop would have depression would suffer from depression uh, worldwide and uh, in the united states so that is about 25 to 30 million people in this year would suffer from depressive disorder but most of them don't get help uh, uh, and i want i want to add something to that uh, 12 to 17% of people would be affected with depression at some point in their lives and yeah and again depression does not discriminate amongst races or color or uh, rich or poor it affects everybody the same incidence the incidence is same for in india in the united states in all over the world blacks afro americans hispanics indians uh, chinese japanese or caucasians everybody it's the same incidence but more common in women twice as common in women than men okay uh, i also want to tell you that the incidence of depressive disorder the depression is rising every year we the the incidence is going up which means there are more people are getting depressed the numbers are going up and uh, one of the main complications serious complication of suicide uh, sorry of complications of depression is suicide and that number is also going up and up and up like uh, uh gone up by 15% in the last 7 years so um uh, 
so, 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 so it's, a, it's an important illness. We need to uh, confront it, address it, uh, get treatment for it. Wow. Okay. Based on the some of the numbers you're saying, which are uh, pretty startling really to me, that it is so widely um, prevalent, uh, what are the various types of depression that's out there? Okay. Uh, the various types of depression is one is it's called uh, we call it as a dysthymic disorder which means it's a long-term mild to moderate depression like a person may have mild to moderate depression not severe enough to get treatment or severe enough to affect their uh, daily functioning and it should be if they have it more than two years, then we call that as a minor depression or dysthymic disorder. And the, the main thing is a major depressive disorder, which is uh, the main uh, depressive illness. And the other one is bipolar depression. Okay, that is, uh, we call, we diagnose someone with bipolar depression only if they have had a manic episode ever in the past. Manic episode meaning this patient should have had an episode. Episode meaning a spell or a period lasting more than a week or two. It does not have to be months or years. Just even two or three weeks in the past, if they've had a manic episode. Manic episode is exactly the opposite of depressive depression. So while you're depressed, you're quiet, you don't talk to nobody, uh, you can, you know, you, you're withdrawn, you're sad and down. Manic episode is opposite. They are always out. They are on top of the world. They feel extremely uh, happy uh, to the point they spend money so much that they cannot afford. They 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 are into a lot of activities. They think they can invent new things. They don't sleep. They have extremely high energy. So anyway, if someone has had a manic episode ever in their past, even one one episode lasting for a week or two, then that depression is called bipolar depression. So it's very important to distinguish these two depression disorder because they both, the, the patient who come to our office, they both present with the same symptoms, but the treatment is different, totally different. Uh, so if someone, uh, we, that's why we call them as unipolar depression and bipolar depression. But bipolar depression is not, that common, but still very common. We see a lot of bipolar depression patients. So very hard to diagnose bipolar depression. Uh, so we have to ask a lot of questions. We have to get the family hist uh, history from the family members. We have to ask their uh, history, family history to, uh, to distinguish or to find out, okay, which depression that one. And then, de then the other depression is depression caused by medical illnesses. Like if you have a stroke, uh, uh, that can cause depression. If you have a heart disease or heart attack, after that, most, many, most people are prone to get depression illness. Hmm. So basically, because somebody has a stroke, that impacts their, their mind and how they perceive things and they become depressed because of their illness? That's what, uh, is that what you're referring to? That's a very good question. It's both. When you have a stroke, there's uh, chemical changes in the brain because stroke is, uh, uh, happens in your, in your brain, in your central nervous system. So there is a, a, a disturbance uh, in the chemicals. There are not enough uh, chemicals produced uh, uh, so th that causes a depression. So they don't produce enough uh, dopamine, serotonin, all these chemicals. That causes depression. And also another reason 
they can get depressed is because they cannot, they have some uh, complications from stroke. Like they cannot speak well. Some of them may not be able to speak clearly. Some of them may have difficulty understanding what other people are saying. And some of them may not be able to walk. They may be in a wheelchair. Some of them may not be able to use their hand. Uh, they have, may have weakness of their hand. So if they, so these people, they may not be, they cannot do things they used to do in the past. They lose their independence. They may have to depend on somebody to drive them to places. They can, if somebody was an active uh, in gardening, they may not be able to do gardening or they may not be able to do that. So that causes depression. The same thing like surgery. If somebody, someone, uh, some uh, people have major surgeries. So it may take one or two months to recuperate, re recover. And during, during the time, they cannot do activities they used to do. They may not be able to do the housework, uh, uh, cook or clean, clean the house or do whatever. Uh, the, the, and they have, to, they have to be dependent on others. And, uh, and, and they have to stay home. They cannot go to work because they're recovering from surgery or from stroke, whatever it is, medical illness or a heart attack. So it can, the depression could be caused by both, by the illness and because they're not able to function. And when you see people with these various types of depression, what are the typical treatment uh, paths, uh, Dr. Lakshman? First, first, we need to understand that uh, depression is a medical illness as much as diabetes and hypertension and other medical illnesses. So it is something in the brain there is a, uh, not enough uh, chemicals, neurotransmitters uh, being produced in the patient's brain uh, that causes the depression. So the main chemicals, neurotransmitters involved in depression is serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. You need these chemicals to function to concentrate, to sleep, to uh, be motivated to do things, to be in a good mood. So it's like a fuel. You need for, for a car, for a, for a vehicle to run, you need fuel. The same thing, we need the, these chemicals like a fuel to function on a daily basis. So, uh, so, so since it's a medical illness, having said that, so I would you know, look at treatment of depression like treating diabetes. So for diabetes, you need medications, then you need diet control, then you need exercise, okay? So same way for depression treatment, you need medications, counseling, and dealing with your uh, stressors, or stressors, whatever triggered the depressive illness, whatever stressor, stress dep uh, triggered it, address that. So, uh, so let us uh, talk about first. Depression, uh, when somebody is diagnosed with a depressive disorder, I want to mainly stress, I want to stress this, it is not a weakness. It's not a person's weakness. It is not a character flaw. They are not bad people. They they are not uh, they are not weak. They are not a wimp. But some people perceive, hey, I have depression. I'm down. I'm sad. I'm a weak person. I cannot uh, cope with this. I cannot deal with this. But it is not that. It is they are more these, these particular patients. They may be more prone to depressive illness because of, of their family history, because of genetics, because of their personality makeup. Their personality makeup may be timid, uh, pessimistic. Uh, so first I want the pe patients, to, uh, people to understand it's not the weakness, it is the illness. It's a medical illness, I want to insist that. And so anyway, what we need to do 
then uh, we so we usually use PHQ-9, uh, which is a questionnaire, patient health questionnaire, nine. It's a nine question, so they, that's why it's called PHQ-9. So we can diagnose depression by talking to the patient, getting information from the family, and also we can use the questionnaire also. I think the, I in my practice, I do all of them. I, I first talk to the patient, get the information, and if needed, I call the patient's immediate family member, like a spouse or somebody, or a mom or a daughter, and then I uh, give them this, uh, ask them to fill out this PHQ-9 questionnaire. This nationwide, all over in the US nationwide, this is the questionnaire doctors use to diagnose and track the progress. So, uh, so when we do all these things, then we, we come, we arrive at whether the patient has mild depression or moderate depression or severe depression. Mild depression could be treated with counseling, social support, you know, support from family and friends, and go to a counselor or a therapist to talk about what is bothering them. And uh, maybe, uh, you know, other things, like make sure you sleep well, make sure, you know, maybe exercise, uh, that can help. Anyway, this is mild depression. So when it comes to moderate depression, and if it is affecting their everyday functioning, if the patient comes and tells me, yeah, I cannot concentrate on my job. I cannot sleep well. Uh, my appetite is not there or I'm eating too much. I'm gaining weight and I'm so tired. I, uh, it's very hard to get out, of be- get out of bed every day. It's a battle. It's a fight to get out of my bed in the morning. And, you know, they're tired, they're, they cannot sleep or they sleep too much. So then that's the time we want to uh, talk about medications. And so, okay, so moderate depression could be addressed with medications or sometimes with counseling alone. Severe depression, definitely medications and counseling. It's a medical illness and it's not a, it's not just because of someone is, uh, can just be propped up or they can just cheer themselves up. Uh, it's not a, it's not a personal weakness but it is more of a mental illness, which is actually a very, very important point. On that note, right, if depression is left uh, untreated, right, if it is mild or you know, severe depression, and if it is left untreated, um, what could happen? Let me tell you this. The natural course of depressive illness, which means you know, a person has clinical depression by diagnosis. And if nobody, if the, if the, if the patient ha, uh, does not seek help and it is not, be, no one, it, it has not been diagnosed. Uh, so no one, no one knows in the family or the patient does not know, the patient is not seeking help. So the depression, what it does, even, we, even without treatment, it runs its course. So the patient without treatment continues to have these symptoms. They cannot concentrate, they cannot uh, function, they cannot, uh, uh, they have low energy, they don't have any motivation. So this keeps on going. Uh, Usually what uh, studies have shown that the course usually goes on for six to seven months. And after six to seven months or eight months, it resolves by itself. But it may come back again. So, it, so th- during the six to seven months or eight months, the patient, we need to understand this. The patient is going through suffering, emotional suffering. They have emotional pain. It's an emotional pain. They don't want to, they cannot enjoy things. They cannot be with their family. They cannot be productive at work. So they may be, the boss may be upset with them. Uh, the family 
the spouse may not, they may label this person who with depression being lazy. So they have to go through these things. They, they cannot enjoy things. They may lose their job because they're not productive. And it may affect their uh, relationships with the family, marriage. So it may, it may, it may go uh, south. The marriage may get bad. So, so w- what we are saying is, we are, as mental health advocates, as psychiatrists, we don't want anybody, patients, to suffer from depression. Even if it gets resolved within eight months or nine months or whatever it is, we want to be patient to be treated right away and have a mentally healthy life, a productive life, and we don't want any complications. We don't want them to have uh, problems uh, in their job or family or things like that. And again, untreated depression. The most important thing is suicide. That's the most important complication, uh, most serious complication. And suicide happens in this country. Every 16 minutes, one person is dying of suicide. Every 16 minutes, one person in this country, United States, is dying of suicide. That's about 40 to 45,000 people per year. So that's another important reason that depression needs to be treated. Again, again, suicide, people do not, it's not the, again, like I said, it's not the person who is committing the suicide or who wants to die. It is the illness. The illness is so unbearable. It gives them so much emotional, mental pain. They don't want to suffer through the pain. This, what they tell me, my patients, the pain is so bad, I want to get rid of the pain, the emotional pain, mental pain. So the only way to get rid of the pain is to get rid of themselves, commit suicide. So given that it, it could be such, it could have such devastating effects, right? And you also mentioned about that you interview family and loved ones as a part of making the diagnosis. So what advice would you have for some of our listeners? Like, let's say in their family, if they're family or friends or loved ones, if they suspect they may have depression, uh, what would you suggest that people should do to help them? Uh, If they suspect that their loved ones uh, may have uh, depression, um, uh, they need to uh, first uh, uh, be supportive. You know, most of us, we don't understand uh, about depression, about uh, what's the, uh, what is depression. Because like if somebody uh, breaks, somebody has a, a fall and breaks their bone, and then we know that they cannot walk. You go and do an x-ray. Uh, the x-ray shows fracture. So you fix the fracture and you, you, know, you heal. But depression, we cannot see it. There is uh, no way of knowing uh, if, a, if a person is depressed or not. Uh, they, they may sleep too much. Uh, they may... Uh, they get, uh, because of low energy, they may not do the housework or they may not go to the office or they may, uh, they cannot concentrate. So they may get a bad evaluation. So, uh, uh, so it's hard to recognize it. But once we suspect, once, if you think, uh, then you need to uh, seek help. Uh, uh, like I said, it, today, with uh, uh, our internet and everything. Like I said, go and Google this questionnaire. It's, it's important. PHQ-9, Patient Health Questionnaire 9. If you Google it, you can you will get the questionnaire and you'll also guess, you, you'll get a, uh, information how to score the degree of depression. 
So like 15 to 20 is uh, um, um, moderate depression. 20 to 27 score is severe depression. So I would do that, uh, you know, uh, uh, download, print the questionnaire, have your loved one fill out, and then, you know, that, that, but again, uh, if the, ask the, ask your loved one, hey, uh, you know, I see that you, uh, you're not, you're not the same. Like, like, like I told you, one of the important things in diagnosis is there's a complete change in the patient's behavior. They're not, they're not themselves. They're different now. So the spouse can ask, you know, you don't seem to be uh, uh, doing well in the last few weeks. Uh, you know, you seem quiet. Uh, you seem, uh, you're, you're, you're sleeping too much. You know, you seem, uh, you don't talk to anybody. Uh, you're not enjoying things. You're not watching movies with us. So, okay. So then you ask these questions. And then if you uh, suspect, then uh, I would say, you know, uh, take them. You don't have to go to a psychiatrist. A lot of family doctors treat depression uh, or, or call, uh, you know, what uh, NSNA you have, uh, Health and Humanitarian Committees, you have NAFNET, uh, you know, uh, post a question there or, or go to your family doctor or uh, go to a counselor, psychotherapist, a therapist. There are a lot of therapists. So you can go to any one of them and to start the, pro the process of the treatment. So the family doctor will give you medications. They can treat depression. And if, uh, if the depression doesn't improve with the treatment from family doctor or uh, the counselor or uh, counselor or therapist, then you go to the specialist, the psychiatrist. And, and the main thing is, uh, you know, if your loved one has depression, I would like the uh, family member to read about depression, uh, become knowledgeable. Uh, there, uh, I would recommend so many websites like Mayo Clinic is one, and there is another one called Medline Plus. And uh, I want you to read a good website, a credible website, learn about it, be knowledgeable and be important thing is be supportive. But, you know, a lot of us, it's very hard for us to understand, but I think we should be under, we should understand the illness. A lot of us don't, we get upset with them. You know, you didn't do this work. You know, you're not doing your work. You're not going, you're not coming with us to the place. You know, I want you to come, uh, go out and do these things. You're not coming, you know, you're uh, lazy. Uh, you're not interested. So the it is misunderstood. Depression, illness, misunderstood. So be supportive. Be supportive. That's the most important. So one of the types of depression impacting women is postpartum depression, the depression after childbirth. From your experience, Dr. Lakshmanan, what would you advise our listeners know about postpartum depression? Okay, when a mother has a child, most of them have some depression, okay? Uh, it's called normal blues, blues, okay? That's not depression illness. But depression, depressive disorder illness, like we talked about, happens in 10 to 15% of mothers after, the, after they give birth to the child, and it can happen within the first, as soon as two or three weeks, up to a year. So we need to be watchful and be on guard for the any depression symptoms in the in, in this period, uh, from the birth of the child up to a year. So so the symptoms will be the same thing. They will have the same symptoms of depression that we talked about. Uh, but uh, they will, okay, some of the uh, symptoms I want to let you know is they will not show interest in the baby, in the child. Uh, they may have thoughts about harming the baby. Uh, they may have 
guilt and they may think they're not good mothers. They may feel inadequate and they may be anxious and they may question their ability to take care of the newborn. Because having a child is very stressful. It's by itself. So they may self-doubt. Can I take good care of my child? And they will feel overwhelmed. They have to get up in the middle of the night to feed the baby. They won't have enough sleep and they're tired. And, and lack of sleep can cause depression. And, and for us, uh, you know, without family support, if people who don't have the social family support, it's even hard on them. Uh, uh, so these are some of the symptoms. This is because after the birth of the baby, there is a dramatic drop of female hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And that's the reason uh, they are more prone to depression. Um, so, so uh, uh, and, and postpartum psychosis is even more serious illness, but is very rare. Uh, So that, that causes psychosis. They really uh, want to hurt themselves and the baby. Uh, and that also happens uh, within a few weeks after the birth of the baby. But the, that is uh, very rare. But again, I also want to tell you, it's important, that uh, depression is second leading cause of disability worldwide. I want you to know that I want my list, our listeners to know that it's it's the second leading cause of disability worldwide, which means depression can cause that kind of severe disability in your life that you cannot function, you cannot go, you cannot be productive at work. You, disability it, it 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 makes you disabled. You cannot function. It's very, very important to know. Second cause of dis leading cause of disability. This is according to World Health Organization. So, Ninga, you've obviously practiced for 25, 30 plus years of experience. You've seen various types of uh, patients across various ethnicities, etc. But you're also one of the most experienced uh, psychiatrists, Nagarata psychiatrists here in the U.S., Specifically, as we're looking at our Asian slash Indian slash Nagaratar population, are there any specific stressors or common patterns that you see in our specific lifestyles that impact mental health? You know, what what advice and what what have you seen um, with the Nagaratar uh, population in general patterns? And what would be your thoughts and advice to our listeners based on that? Uh, you know, my uh, thinking on that is, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, uh, uh, we don't, mainly we don't have the social support like uh, people, local people who lived here, you know, like uh, Caucasians or other communities, uh, other people have, you know, we are first generation, we don't have our parents, uh, uh, grandmothers and things. So, so that is social support is extremely important and we don't have that. So that causes uh, uh, our stress level to uh, you know go up because we don't have uh, you know we cannot leave uh, leave our kids to grandmother grandpas and uh, uh, take uh, time off or take rest. Uh, okay, the next thing is uh, we have uh, 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 strong Indian you know in my uh, practice. Uh, Caucasians or are, uh, you know, they are willing to get help. They come early in their disease, illness. They come right away. But other races, not only Indians, Afro-Americans, Hispanics, they all have this stigma. Uh, they, uh, they don't like to go to a psychiatrist. Uh, they don't like to uh, uh, be, di be diagnosed with uh, depression. So they try to 
they, they, uh, there is a resistance there. Uh, 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 they don't want to depend on medications. Uh, they don't want to be uh, labeled. So uh, the stigma uh, is, uh, is a major problem and they uh, delay in getting treatment. Uh, so uh, they wait and wait and wait until the depression gets worse, really, really severe. So treatment at that point, when someone has comes to you with severe depression, and they've had many, uh, they've had previous episodes of severe depression. So that patient, uh, that person uh, will be uh, difficult. Uh, their illness will be difficult to treat. Uh, two things I took away. One was we don't have as much intrinsic extended family and social support. So that is very important to to build that. And um, the the second thing you mentioned was uh, culturally there is a stigma towards getting uh, psychiatric help and diagnosis. And um, uh, we should be more willing and open to get diagnosed and treated because it's it's an illness and it's not really a weakness. And they think, uh, uh, and we think uh, being going to a psychiatrist or taking psychiatric medications from a family doctor, whoever it may be, we think that we are crazy. You know, people think or we think that we are crazy. But let me tell you, uh, 99.9% of my patients in my practice uh, are not, they don't have psychosis, which means, you know, you call a person crazy if they are uh, delusional or if they are, uh, you know, if they're out of their mind, uh, they cannot function, uh, they are, you know, uh, you know, but 99.9% of my patients in my practice, they are functioning people who go to work. Most of them, all of them have jobs. They are teachers, postal workers, lawyers, engineers, doctors, lawyers, everybody in my practice. So it doesn't matter whether you, whether you, you know, whoever you are, you know, you, you be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, or teacher, whatever it is. You could be, you could get depressed. So go and get, you know, I want them to go and get help instead of suffering. Moving on from depression and generally to the concept of, you know, mental health, right? One of the things that um, that is extensively mentioned is um, around meditation and exercise as being, are touted as being very helpful for mental health, right? How much you know, is this supported by studies and from your experience as well, how much benefit can someone expect out of things like meditation and exercise? Okay. Regarding meditation, it is not a treatment for depression. Okay. What med- where would meditation help is for uh, if you are for stress for anxiety, uh, for anxiety attacks, or severely anxious people, severely stressed out people, I think meditation will help because it will help you to calm down, um, uh, you know, keep your uh, brain uh, still from worrying or from thinking about so many thoughts. So meditation will help the stress and anxiety Again, somewhat. And regarding exercise, uh, there have uh, there have there have been studies done, and uh, it shows that it helps uh, mild milder depressive illnesses, or it may prevent a person from becoming depressed if you exercise regularly. It also will help with your stress level because, uh, okay. And exercise, what it does is, like like uh, like everybody knows, it increases your blood circulation all over your system, all over your body. So when you more blood flows to your brain, then more 
chemicals, the good chemicals are produced, like serotonin, norepinephrine, all these chemicals are produced and they help you to keep you from getting depressed or to get you out of mild depression. But exercise is not a treatment for a moderate degree or severe degree of depression illness. Thank you. So along the same lines, how about diet? How much of an effect will diet have on uh, mental health and uh, depression? Regarding diet, uh, uh, the only thing is only thing I can say is uh, uh, omega three fatty acids. They say it'll help your mood. Uh, again, uh, I don't know how much uh, uh, studies how, how many studies have been done but it, it may help some, uh, so, uh, which means, you know, eating, maybe eating fish, maybe, but uh, uh, omega-3 fatty acids comes in uh, over-the-counter uh, capsules. So again, I'm not saying it's going to help a severe depression. It may help mild depression. Uh, again, it's not proven. I'm, I'm just saying that's the only thing I know of. Again, you know, I want the listeners to uh, Google and see uh, from, you know, what they, uh, you know, learn more about it. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Lakshman. You've given us a lot of very good information on uh, how for all of us to think about depression, what it is, um, how to see if we need depression, how do we go get diagnosed, and the issues around uh, the stigma, especially in our communities, and uh, um, what we can do about it, as well as the roles of medication, as well as exercise and diet, as well as meditation. Uh, you've obviously had a lot of information with us, but uh, the last question uh, we have for you is, um, uh, let's say there's a billboard on the side of the road, and uh, you get to say one thing, and one thing only on that billboard. Uh, what is that one parting thought about depression and mental health uh, that you want to leave our listeners with? Depression is a medical illness, like any other medical illness, like diabetes or blood pressure. It is not a it is not a personal uh, personal weakness or a character flaw. Uh, if not treated, it can cause a lot of problems in all areas of your life, in your job, your family, your social life. Uh, so we need to recognize the warning signs and symptoms of depression, like chest pain in heart disease. The main important thing in depression is like I previously mentioned many times, is feeling sad or depressed or having lost interest in things that you previously enjoyed every day for at least two weeks, then you go and get help either with medications or counseling or both. You can go to a family doctor. You don't have to go to a psychiatrist if it is a simple illness. And I want to again tell every other listeners it is depression is a treatable illness. It can be treated with medications. There are a lot of medications available. Prozac, okay, we had a lot of medications before. Prozac was introduced to the market in 1987. Since then, we have made remarkable progress with so many different medications for depression and anxiety. So there are a lot of medications, it's treatable. So uh, so it's important to get treatment. And I want to uh, mention another website called womensmentalhealth.org. This website is from Harvard Medical School and it, it, it has a lot of information about women and mental illness. And uh, I also want to let you know that I was uh, 
uh, I was looking at something in India. Uh, this affair, this uh, prominent actress, uh, uh, Deepika Padukone, uh, Padukone, she had depression. She got treatment. She's come out talking about it. She started a foundation and uh, she wants to create awareness uh, in people in India about depression and uh, to get treatment right away. Thank you very much, Dr. Lakshman. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And um, thank you for taking time to share your thoughts and experience from treating um, uh, depression for the last uh, 30 plus years. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Ganesh Lachmanan, for uh, interviewing me and giving me this opportunity to talk about this important illness, a serious illness. Uh, uh, and I also want to thank uh, NSNA and uh, uh, Dr. Ramesh and Health and Humanitarian Committee for uh, allowing me to do this and uh, you know give my thoughts and share my knowledge uh, to our listeners. Thank you very much.